Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. Phoenix is known as the land of sunshine and real estate, but every so often you might hear someone compare Phoenix with Silicon Valley, the land of tech startups and innovation and billionaires and Tesla. Some have gone so far as to call Phoenix the Silicon Desert. But when people talk about startups, they usually talk about San Jose and San Francisco, Seattle, New York, and Boston. But what about us? How big is Phoenix's startup scene? Do we have that kind of innovation here? And how is it shaping our metro and our future? Let's check it out. Downtown Phoenix's warehouse district is this thin strip of land south of Talking Stick Resort Arena between 7th Street and 7th Avenue, and it's filled with warehouses that are being remade into hip office spaces. One of those is Galvanize, a co-working space popular with local startup founders and tech types, like programmers. I walked into Galvanize's bright brick warehouse on a Monday afternoon, and then I went in a big, I'll admit, echoey conference room to ask people there, what is a startup? So I think a startup is when someone sees a need for something and they have an idea for it. Uh, anyone that's, that's going out and starting their own business. Startup is grind, it's sacrifice, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's the most exciting thing that I've ever done today. I'd consider it a startup once it's past the um, past the idea stage. No, I would say that a startup is anybody that has a passion to create something that hasn't existed yet. I debate this with my friends a lot, and in all my research, I couldn't find one agreed-on definition of a startup. I mean, I know all of us use and interact with companies every day that are or were startups. If you get a ride in a Lyft or an Uber, if you rent a house through Airbnb, order food with DoorDash, or are listening to this podcast on Spotify, those are startups. Even Amazon started as a startup. So I found an expert. I met up with Jimmy Choi, who is the Associate Vice President of Arizona State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Department, and I asked her how she defines a startup. In my mind, a startup is really, again, an organization that's in flux and it's growing and without predetermining what growth looks like. It's looking for a scalable, repeatable, fundable model, whether it's funding through revenue or funding through investment. In case you're thinking, like, okay, so it's Facebook, Startups aren't only in technology. A not-for-profit organization can also be a startup organization. And entrepreneurs working in social innovations, working in social good issues, working in low-profit, no-profit organizations is just as important as those that are working in highly scalable technology ventures. A startup is basically a new company that's scalable and repeatable. It can go from a small business to a huge one very fast. So, you know, a restaurant wouldn't be a startup. But the idea of a startup is still kind of hard to grasp, at least for me. Here's a local story that explains what a local startup looks like really well and tells us a lot about Phoenix's startup scene. Across the street from Galvanize is another big gray warehouse, this one with a huge, vibrant mural on it that includes cactus flowers and corn, 
along with electric circuits representing the area's growing tech companies. This is our HQ, yeah, we have uh, 300 people located here in the warehouse district. That's Heidi Janenga, who co-founded the local startup WebPT with her ex-husband Brad Janenga. When I asked experts what is their favorite startup success story in Arizona, they kept saying WebPT. I met Heidi in her office, which has a WebPT-branded longboard leaned up against the entrance. So I am a physical therapist. I am the PT in WebPT. Uh, so I had, was practicing in sports medicine here in one of the largest uh, uh, sports medicine physical therapy outpatient practices in the nation. Heidi worked with golfers on the LPGA Tour and with Phoenix Suns players. She worked her way up to being the clinic director, and part of her job was to keep track of the clinic's finances. The therapists were documenting their work by hand, and she noticed they were spending a lot of money on transcription and dictation. Thus the problem, right, uh, that arose in terms of finding a solution to decrease my expenses around that transcription and dictation. Around 2005, she had Brad, who was a software engineer, look for something her clinic could use to start keeping electronic records. There was nothing. Everything was designed for doctors and wouldn't make sense for therapists, and it was super expensive. And so, um, you know, we decided to put our heads together and build something that was really only supposed to be for my practices. Other practitioners in Phoenix noticed and asked if they could use her software too. We did a market, some market research and we found that 80% of physical therapists were also documenting on pen and paper. So that was the aha moment, I guess. My problem was actually an industry-wide problem. It wasn't unique to me and my clinics. Uh, and so we decided to launch the company in February of 2008 with one employee. She kept her full-time job as clinic director and also worked during nights and weekends to develop the software with Brad. They worked in a coffee shop near 7th Street and Thomas Road. Yeah, uh, a lot. Uh, it was almost two full-time jobs. She would write down all the tests and measures that physical therapists and occupational therapists and speech-language pathologists would need, and Brad would code it. And so I think, uh, and the uniqueness of having a therapist drive the uh, building of the software wasn't a technologist who saw a problem and decided, oh, I want to solve this, right? You actually had a user who was in the development phase of creating the workflows, um, has really been part of our secret sauce. As they got more and more clients and their company grew, they had a really hard time finding people in Phoenix who knew about startups and could help them. The community was non-existent as it is today. Uh, in terms of who do you go to if you're a startup to find mentorship? Who do you go to to find another company that has scaled this way? It was very few and far between back in 2006, 2008, even 2010. They found an ASU startup accelerator that helped them develop a business plan and start pitching it to investors. Canal Partners is a venture capital group that gives money to tech startups. They decided to fund WebPT in 2010. We gave up a very small piece of our company. Um, we took in a million dollars. We were already at a million dollar run rate at that point. Um, and we turned that one million into 17 in two years. But it wasn't easy. 
And that was very well known, like there just wasn't a, a whole lot of people. And they were not very sophisticated in their technology knowledge because they hadn't really invested in tech companies. And so the diligence was painful, <laughs> to say the least, in terms of the questions that they're asking of, of their pseudo knowledge or what they have read, but not necessarily truly have been worked or with uh, tech companies. In 2014, they got more investment, this time from Battery Ventures in Silicon Valley. And in August, private equity firm Warburg Pincus bought a majority interest of WebPT. Growing from a back of a coffee shop with zero revenue to now $100 million 11 years later with the potential to, to grow from there. Now, about 85,000 people in about 15,000 clinics use WebPT every day. So if you would have asked me in, you know, 2006, um, do you see yourself, you know, leading a, one of the largest technology companies uh, in healthcare? <laughs> I would have laughed uh, because, you know, back then, Heidi, Jananga, and technology weren't often used in the same sentence. Heidi embodies the startup success story. She didn't work in business or tech. She just saw a problem in her industry and wanted to solve it. Now, WebPT is in the first generation of tech startups from and still in Arizona to find major success. Like Heidi said, Phoenix's startup scene is pretty new and kind of grew alongside her company. Silicon Valley got its nickname in 1971. As for us... I would say that uh, the greater Phoenix region has evolved dramatically in the last 20 years in terms of innovation and on, uh, the ingenuity of the region as well. So we're at a very unique uh, transformational period for the, for the region uh, as we see it today. That's Chris Camacho, the president and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Economic Council. The initial foundation uh, that, that we talk a lot about is GoDaddy. GoDaddy is a company that registers web domains and hosts websites. It was founded in 1997 in Baltimore, but opened its headquarters in Scottsdale that same year. Its founder, Bob Parsons, is one of just a handful of billionaires who live in Arizona. Uh, really, the early 2000s is when I saw the valve turn on. Uh, the other would be uh, Clayton Mask and his Infusionsoft now, uh, the Cape uh, company. Infusionsoft was founded in 2001 in Mesa, and LifeLock, the identity theft protection system that's headquartered in Tempe, was founded in 2005. Uh, Arizona State University and the other universities really began to position entrepreneurship and the ecosystem as a critical node to a healthy economy. And so as a byproduct, we've, we've seen massive growth in the last decade uh, in the entrepreneurial sector. ASUVP Jimmy put it this way. We're, we're still in that... I like to call it the bright-eyed phase here, right? There's still lots of opportunity for new ideas, lots of opportunities for new companies, lots of opportunities for new organizations. We're not jaded yet. One of the main ways people measure the health or success of a city startup scene is, of course, money. Well, I can tell you just in the, the last uh, year, we had 36 uh, companies that, between angel and venture capital investment, uh, and yielded just under $300 million of, of capital placement, which is you know, up significantly from the year prior. 2018 was Arizona's best year for venture capital investments since at least 2006, according to the Venture Monitor Report released by PitchBook and National Venture Capital Association. What's driving that growth? Well, here's one thing. I do think fundamentally uh, one, one individual has reshaped our, our global brand, uh, and that is Michael Crow. That's ASU president Michael Crow he's talking about. 
Under his leadership, ASU's engineering program has grown. In 2008, ASU's engineering school awarded about 1,500 engineering degrees. In 2018, it was up to 3,700. Chris said having that talent pool is important for attracting new startups. Beyond just engineers, Jimmy said having a strong local startup scene is not just about building companies that go on to make a lot of money. It's about fostering skills that make for good leaders in any industry. The thing that I wish that students especially would understand is that entrepreneurship is not just about business. Entrepreneurship is about a skill set, a mindset, um, understanding how to create value, understanding how you take something from a problem that exists or a thing that could be better and how you leverage solutions against it. Everyone in Phoenix's startup scene is so positive about how much it's growing and the impact it's having on the region. I wanted to talk to an outside expert who, frankly, doesn't get paid to promote Phoenix or really have any investment in us at all. I wanted the cold, hard truth. Uh, I'm Tom Chapman. I'm with Chapman & Company, and we provide ecosystem health metrics for communities around the country. Tom is an acclaimed startup consultant and data analyst. Most of our work is focused on communities that are in phase zero, one, two. I would say Phoenix is probably in phase two or phase three. Um, communities like San Francisco, uh, Silicon Valley, Austin are more in like a phase five. When he looked at the data about Phoenix's startup scene, he noticed some interesting points. You have a number of really interesting companies that have raised quite a bit of money. So companies like Nikola Motor, Campus Logic, Keep, uh, Carvana, uh, those are all companies that are, you know, continuing to grow. And uh, as I look at both revenue and financial numbers, it seems pretty positive. He also mentioned he was impressed that Phoenix is home to so many engineers. And he said he was surprised by this. So the two things that I think, you know, as a Midwesterner that I would think of Phoenix when it comes to new construction and senior living uh, aren't really what I saw stand out in your ecosystem. Uh, in your ecosystem, it seemed like you had a lot more manufacturing and high-tech software going on. See, we're not only a place for real estate for snowbirds. In fact, Tom said that Phoenix's entrepreneurial growth is impressive. And so I, I would just applaud the work that's been done in Phoenix and just say it's um, exciting that there are so many good things going on. That's all good news. On the other hand, there are common criticisms from people in Phoenix's startup scene. Like this one I heard from Ahmad Celine, one of the people I talked to at Galvanize. But I also heard this from a lot of people. We have a lot of capital, and that capital is hiding. Um, and what I mean by that is, you look at a lot of, some people call it old money, right? Real estate money that is sitting here. Everybody talks about a lack of funding in Phoenix, and that's fair. In 2018, only about 30% of all the venture capital investment in the country landed outside of San Francisco, San Jose, New York, or Boston. So some people think, you know, all eyes are on the coasts and the rest of us in the middle of the country are fighting for just 30% of the money. Overall, Phoenix's startup scene is growing, but it's no Silicon Valley. Maybe that's a good thing, though. Is it possible that some of these well-established venture capital firms and investors are jaded to new ideas? Potentially. Is it possible that you would get lost among the noise and among the clutter if, again, you were one of thousands in really a startup kind of mill? I think possibly. 
Could you distinguish yourself in a place like Arizona where people actually take the time to listen and to hear and to probe and to test? I think so. Phoenix might not be one of the country's top startup scenes, but what people kept telling me that sets us apart is this. You know, unlike other places, you don't have the mounting tax and regulatory burdens. Uh, you don't have the spiraling cost of living like you see in some of these other uh, tier one markets. And so the openness that our market uh, allows and the collaborative spirit, you can connect to anyone at any time here. And, and unlike other markets that are very hierarchical, they're very closed, they're very good old boy networked, that's not what we have here. And so that openness, I think, enables newcomers to really immerse themselves very quickly. ASU is just one of the local leaders trying to build that. There's also the hashtag YesPHX community, there's co-working spaces like Galvanize and Cahoots, and startup accelerators like Coplex, SeedSpot, and Venture Catalyst. One of the characterizing things about the startup scene in Greater Phoenix that I find is that we are actually incredibly well connected, and people are generous about their time, they're generous about their advice, they're generous about their resources, and they're generous about saying, oh, let me connect you to a person who has something that might be beneficial to you. People here are very open to helping one another, and that's uh, in, in closed markets, like you see across the country, that's not the case. So I do think that's why there's such tremendous upside and, and upside and optimism about the Greater Phoenix region. a lot about startups and business with this episode, and I hope you did too. Thank you so much to the YesPHX community for welcoming me to their fifth anniversary summer social in August, and working with me to craft this episode. YesPHX started out as a hashtag where people in Phoenix's startup scene could talk, and since then it's grown into a community of people who want to grow and connect Metro Phoenix's startup scene. You can learn more at yesphx.com. That's it for today. If you liked this episode, you'd probably like our older episode on how urban farms survive in the valley. And as always, we want your episode ideas. Submit your questions about Metro Phoenix to us at valley101.azcentral.com. Thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. See you next week.